Good morning. Good morning. And grace and peace to you. Many things to pray for, many people to pray for, so uh, as always, let's do that uh, on a regular basis. To have not just a prayer life, but a life of prayer. God answers our prayers. As you can see, we want to talk about marks of the church. I want to start in Ephesians chapter 1 this morning. We've been studying there in our Bible class. Verse 18. I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened, that you will know what is the hope of his calling, what are the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints, what is the surpassing greatness of his power toward us who believe, these are in accordance with the working of the strength of his might, which he brought about in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly places, far above all rule and authority and power and dominion in every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in the one to come. And he put all things in subjection under his feet and gave him his head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. The uh, relationship of Christ with his church, of the head of the church with his body, is just an amazing thing. And uh, we can read a lot about it in Scripture and try to comprehend it, but I'm not sure that we can fully grasp it. It's just a marvelous spiritual uh, arrangement that God has for us to be a part of his body. We are his, uh, his eyes, his ears, his hands, his feet, if you will now. He is in heaven at the right hand of the Father. And we are the ones doing the work down here. We are called to do that to accomplish his will. He is the head, as it says, over all things to the church. Uh, he is the one who gives the church salvation, redemption. Uh, the church is sanctified through him, set apart uh, from the world. We receive his righteousness. God justifies us through Christ. He is our intercessor and the mediator of a new covenant. He's our high priest. His blood continues to cleanse us from sin as long as we confess those sins. He's the way, the truth, the life. We could go on and on. Christ is everything. He is our all in all. My question is, how do we respond to that as the church, the body of Christ? What would demonstrate that a group of people was truly the body of Christ? What would demonstrate that I was really a Christian? How would the world know that you were a Christian? And I know in years gone by, we've had lessons, and I've even seen some tracks printed up about the marks of the church, and it talks about doing certain things in certain ways. And I think there is some, uh, some reason to study that out and, and to take a look at that. But I think there's a broader and deeper sense here as far as the relationship of the head of the church with the body of Christ with us as his people. 
And that's what we want to look at this morning. I'm going to propose four things in our approach here in our lesson about how we would know what would indicate that a body of people or an individual was truly a Christian. They were truly the body of Christ, the church that Christ purchased. We're going to start in 1 Peter chapter 1. And the first thing we propose is this, is that the church loves its Lord. The church loves its Lord. 1 Peter 1, 6. In this you greatly rejoice, even though now for a little while, if necessary, you have been distressed by various trials. So that the proof of your faith, being more precious than gold, which is perishable, even though tested by fire, may be found to result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. And though you have not seen him, you love him. And though you do not see him now, but believe in him, you greatly rejoice with joy inexpressible and full of joy, glory, obtaining as the outcome of your faith the salvation of your souls. And we're focusing here, you know, Peter says a lot here, but we're focusing here on this aspect of we have not seen him, but you love him. This is a love that is returned. We were talking a lot about that love this morning in our Bible class, the love that God has for us and the love that Christ has for the church and the depth of it, the length and the breadth and so forth. That's later on in the letter of the Ephesians. His suffering and death to provide salvation, this is proof of his love for us. He gave up his privileges in heaven. He came here and he, he endured the cross, the suffering, the shame of it, the death, all these things that were associated with the crucifixion to prove his love and to show his love of God and his own love for us. And the church's love is in response to this. We read in 1 John that he loved us first. He loved us first, and that was a demonstration of that love by his gift on the cross, by his death. Peter says here, you love him even though you've not seen him. How is that possible? Well, it's, it's through faith. Because we see in the scriptures what Jesus did, who he was. We understand that sacrifice as best we can here in the body, in this body. Uh, we recognize he was the son of God and what he did for us, giving up his privileges and so forth. So by faith, we appreciate that, and we respond in love to recognize that he rescued us from a terrible death, and he's going to give us life eternal. Some people like to go to John 14, 15 as proof of one's love, where Jesus said, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. We want to note here, and we've noted this before, that love comes first. He says, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. And we know for sure that people can keep God's commandments and not love him. 
This is nothing but graceless obedience. Jesus said, if you love me, keep my commandments. This love for the Lord is genuine, it's heartfelt, and it's personal. I like to go to John 21. I don't have that on your list there, and I'm not going to turn there. But you all remember the story where this was after Jesus' resurrection, and he went to Galilee, and he had told the disciples to go to Galilee ahead of him, uh, that he would go there, and then they would come. And they had the incident there with the fishing on the, on the uh, lake, and the great draft of fish, they, they got another great uh, catch. And it was recognized then, well, this is the Lord. He was standing there on the beach. And Peter dove in the water and swam over. And they, Jesus there had the conversation with Peter. And you remember three times what he asked Peter? Do you love me? Remember that? Do you love me? Do you love me? This is the same question that he has for every one of us. This is what he's talking about. Do you love me? Do you understand who I am and what I've done for you? Do you really love me? Uh, Jesus is alive today. He is alive today as much as he was when he was walking around that Lake Galilee back 2,000 years ago. He is alive now. And we can, we can love him by faith through this word just as Peter loved him. You know, Peter's response is, Lord, you know that I love you, right? You know that I love you. Well, this is the love that we are called to as the body of Christ. You've not seen him, yet you love him. Do you love me? Do I love Jesus? That's the first mark I think we have of the body of Christ, that the church loves its Lord. Second thought, let's go to John 10. The church listens to its Lord. John 10, 24. The Jews then gathered around him, meaning Jesus, and were saying to him, How long will you keep us in suspense if you are the Christ? Tell us plainly. Jesus answered them, I told you, and you do not believe. The works that I do in my Father's name, these testify of me. But you do not believe because you are not of my sheep. My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. And I give eternal life to them, and they will never perish, and no one will snatch them out of my hand. So here's the picture. Jesus using the, the illustration of being the shepherd and the, that we're the sheep, and we know that uh, that was the case of the oriental shepherd that he knew each sheep by name, and the sheep knew him, and when he called their name, they would come. And so this is what Jesus is talking about. He says, my sheep follow me. They will listen to me, and they hear me. The emphasis is being the shepherd. He gives 
And why do we do that? He gives pasture and, and, and the water for life. He protects the sheep from the wolves. That's Satan. He knows the paths to take, and he'll lead us in the right paths, that straight and narrow way. He will come and get you if you get lost, right? He will come. He does not give up on you, and there are many of us here. He has come and brought back. We've wandered away. He can be completely trusted. Luke 6, 46, Jesus says, Why do you call me Lord, Lord, and do not do what I say? So many times I think that we, uh, we believe that the only thing that the Lord wants us to do is something in a church building on Sunday morning. Now that's important, but that certainly is not all that the Lord wants us to do. But we're to follow him day by day, week in and week out, wherever we are at home, at work, uh, at recreation, whatever the situation might be, that we are listening to the Lord and we are serving the Lord wherever, he, wherever we are. So the question is, are we listening to the Lord Jesus? Are we doing all of his will? And this is kind of the question we've had since we've been through this COVID situation. And we were talking about refocusing on what is the will of God? What are the things in the scripture that perhaps we are not fully fulfilling as a body that we need to be doing and uh, be doing more carefully or more often or whatever it might be? So these are things to consider, but the church listens to its Lord. The church, the body of Christ, follows its Savior. My next point from 1 Corinthians chapter 11, the church worships its Lord. 1 Corinthians eleven twenty-three. You know, I've, I've just picked out certain ones of these passages of Scripture, and I could choose many more. Uh, to illustrate the point, and you, you know many of them also. 1 Corinthians eleven twenty three. 23. Paul's writing to this church at Corinth, For I received from the Lord that which I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus in the night in which he was betrayed took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, he took the cup also after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink the cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Therefore, whoever eats the bread or drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner shall be guilty of the body and the blood of the Lord. Jesus detailed to his disciples how he wanted to be remembered and in particular how he wanted to be worshipped. That's what this is here. We worship the Lord through the supper and it is a proclamation of the gospel, his death, burial, and resurrection. In 1 Corinthians 10, Paul emphasized the fellowship of the church in the supper. He talks about the supper there, and he talks about 
we all partake of one body and so forth and so on. But here in this uh, chapter 11, he is talking about the personal aspect of the supper. That each one of us remembers his or her Lord. As we understand, this remembrance is very weighty. It's reverent, God-honoring. Christ is the focus, and his body and blood are in view, the sacrifice, the suffering, uh, the loss, the pain, what he gave up. We were talking about that in our Bible class this morning as well. The ultimate gift of God's love. This is to be spirit and mind worship. Paul wrote uh, later on in this chapter about our worship should be uh, in, in mind and in understanding. Jesus spoke to the woman at the well about we would worship in spirit and in truth. And this is what our worship is to be as we remember the Lord. The church will truly worship from the heart. A spirit and mind or spirit and understanding worship. It's not just a ritual. It's not just come in, sit down, go through it, and leave. But a true worship from the heart as we remember what Jesus did for us. Yes, there are other aspects of the worship, but this is really the focus. Uh, Paul wrote in that letter, he said uh, as he was chastising that church because they had their many problems. And he said, when you come together, it is not to eat the Lord's Supper. And so that's a very solid indication that that was their main purpose of coming together was to eat the supper because they were so divided and so confused and so uh, selfish that they really were not eating the supper, not doing it in the right way. So the church worships its Lord, worships in spirit and in truth. We need to ask ourselves, are we worshiping from the heart? Our last point, let's go to Acts chapter 4. Talked about loving our Lord, listening to our Lord, and worshiping our Lord. The church tells about its Lord. And thank you, Don, for that song you led us in. I love this passage of Scripture, and I'd, I'd like for us to really listen to it and catch the nuance here, I think, that maybe, uh, maybe is not there, uh, we haven't seen before, shall we say. Let's set this up. What, what is going on here in Acts chapter 4? Peter and John, uh, well, God through Peter and John had healed the lame beggar at the temple. And as a result of that, Peter started preaching the gospel and talking about the resurrection of Jesus from the dead. And the temple authorities got all upset about that, and they put him in prison. Well, the next morning then, they brought them out, and I uh, was asking them about that, what were you doing, and so forth and so on. And that brings us to uh, verse 18 in chapter 4. It says, when they had summoned them, meaning the chief priests, the temple authorities had summoned Peter and John, 
They commanded them not to speak or teach at all in the name of Jesus. Okay? You know, they didn't, they didn't want the blood of Jesus on their head. They didn't want to hear about the resurrection of the dead. They said, just stop it. We don't want to hear any of this. We don't believe it. And so they're trying to tell them to, to shut up. But Peter and John answered and said to them, whether it is right in the sight of God to give heed to you rather than to God, you be the judge. For we cannot stop speaking about what we have seen and heard. Now I'm going to go aside just for a moment here because it seems like there's too many people today that, that say they belong to Jesus' church that are giving heed to what men say and what the world says. And they're quite prominent in the news, you know, what constitutes a marriage. Too many people are listening to the world out there. When does life begin? Is a fetus a human being? Does life begin at conception? How many sexes are there? Am I free to try to change myself into something other than what God made me when I was born? Too many people are listening to the world and these theories and not listening to God. And this is, you know, th this, is, this is the focus here. These two verses of what's even going on in the world and has gone on forever. Who are we going to listen to? We're going to listen to God, the word of truth, the word that became flesh, John chapter 1, or are we going to listen to the world, to men, to women, to their own theories and their own ideas? Who will we listen to? That's the question. The apostles here, and now going back to this, verse 20, I'm going to read it again. For we cannot stop speaking about what we have seen and heard. The apostles are almost incredulous here, I think. They're, they're telling these chief priests and, and so forth, you want us to stop telling what we have actually seen? What, what had they seen? They had seen miracle upon miracle upon miracle. The lame could walk, the blind could see, the leper was cleansed, they saw thousands fed with a few loaves and fish. You want us to shut up about that? We, we have seen our Lord resurrected from the dead. He came back from the dead. He's alive. You want us to stop talking about that? They're incredulous. We can't do that. And so the point is the same for us because, again, through the eye of faith, through the scriptures, we've seen the same things, right? Amen? Through the eye of faith, we see the same things. That's what this book is all about, the word of truth. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. And so we read, this is why we read, we study, and we understand this is what really happened. And so I see that. I've seen those things, not with my own eyes, but through the eyes of faith, through the eyes of Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. They were there. They testified. This is what happened. And so we, as the church, 
We cannot stop telling the things that we have seen and heard. Heard the wonderful words of Jesus, that Sermon on the Mount. When's the last time you read that? Incredible words, words, words of wisdom, words of insight, words of encouragement, words of peace, whatever you want to say, whatever you, we need, we needed to hear, he, he told us. Forgiveness of sin. You can be forgiven of every sin. Your conscience can be cleansed, not guilty at all. The world needs to hear that. We hear that by faith. So this is what we're talking about here. They, they had seen all these things, and they said, we, we can't stop telling this because we know it's true. We know this is reality. He came back from the dead. He was the Christ. He is the Son of God. He is our Savior. He is our hope. He is our future. Whatever you want to say. He is everything. We can't stop telling about our Lord. And so by faith we do the same thing. We need to ask ourselves whether it's a body or as an individual Christian as we know what we have seen and heard. Are we telling about our Lord. So these are my thoughts this morning about the marks of the church. The church loves its Lord. The church listens to its Lord, tries to do his will. The church truly worships the Lord from the heart in the mind. And the church cannot stop telling about all the great things that its Lord has done. And so we leave the lesson with you, and we ask the question, I ask myself the question, which marks of the church, which marks of the body of Christ do I bear? God bless you. Thank you for listening today. For more from Jeff Kent and the Shadyside Church of Christ, please go to our website at cofcshadyside.com. There you can access our entire library of Sunday church lessons and Jeff's weekly blog. You can also find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram under Shadyside Church of Christ. Remember, all are welcome. Thanks again. Have a blessed week.